Local news, talk, sports, and the hits of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Kane 107.5. Good morning and welcome to Bayou Sports here on a big Monday, December the 12th. Uh, this morning on the show, uh, we'll go over some NFL, some NBA action too. It got interesting over the weekend. High school state football finals were held this weekend with uh, six games, three Friday and three Saturday. We'll talk a little bit about that. Of course, uh, the World Cup, they're down to the final four teams. Championship will be played December 18th. Uh, elsewhere, uh, the Heisman was handed out uh, Saturday night. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. Then uh, at 8 o'clock, Bob Rose will be on the air with us to talk a little Saints action. Of course, the Saints were off this weekend, but they played Monday night last week, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. And uh, elsewhere, uh, just some other odds and ends, but starting off with NFL football action. Well, it was supposed to be a big game between the Eagles and the Giants yesterday, but the Eagles, they just they took apart the uh, Giants by a score of 48-22, to and with that, the Eagles become the first team to clinch a playoff spot as Jalen Hurts, boy, he bolstered his MVP resume, I can assure you that. So uh, anyway, the Eagles, um, they uh, get that playoff spot put away. Um, not that they've won the division, but they've made the playoffs, they've qualified. But the way they're going right now, uh, uh, the Cowboys. I was going to say, the way the Cowboys played yesterday. Pulled one out of uh, thin air almost. Uh, they did, you know, yesterday. And and the funny thing is, we're watching those scores come in. I'm watching the well, I'm watching both the Jets and the Giants game um, with with a Dallas fan, and uh, kind of put off that that game was not on TV because just about every Dallas game finds its way. Yes. And I'm watching the scores of the two games. I'm saying they're going to switch over to the Dallas game, and sure enough, by the start of the fourth quarter, they did and. Dallas found a way to win, and I thought uh, it was really Houston found a way to lose. I'm a huge Lovey Smith fan, and uh, what what he has done with special teams over the years uh, shocked the heck out of me that he didn't kick the field goal at the end, make him get a touchdown. That's right. Granted, he made him go 97 yards for the eventual touchdown. That was the eventual winner, but it killed the clock. Um, Now, I I definitely disagreed with that move at the time, but, but I also thought... They got the touchdown, but they didn't ask for a review. Or, right. and, uh, and it he couldn't ask for it. It had to be a booth review. But I can't believe right. they didn't make some noise to get a booth review. Uh, I understand that, too, and uh, amazing. Uh, the Texans put up a gallon fight, uh, but it was for naught. I'm with you. I'd have kicked the field goal, too. What they had a fourth and about three Yeah, somewhere in there. After and, they uh, lost two yards on third down, I'm right. like, come on, man. Yeah, kick the field goal. Anyway, but it didn't happen. Anyway, more from Sunday, uh, Mr. Relevant, uh, rookie Brock Purdy. I mean, uh, the 49ers have missed a beat on offense uh, with uh, Garoppolo going down. Brock Purdy, of course, he was the last man taken in the 2022 draft. He became Mr. Irrelevant. Well, he became the first Very relevant yesterday. That's right, to beat uh, Tom Brady in his first career start, leading the 49ers to a 35-7 to route. I don't think Tampa Bay knows how to score, and they scored on a long pass play to Evans uh, during the game. Other than that... Uh, the 49ers, uh, just uh, I, them, uh, them at Dallas along with the Eagles are probably the teams, uh, the three teams to watch. And the reason I don't bring up another team is because Detroit, 
just uh, they beat the Vikings and uh, 40, 34 to 23 for their fifth time in six games to keep their playoff hopes alive at six and seven. And uh, what more can you say? Uh, the Vikings have uh, started to stumble a little bit out of the blocks, and they've got a couple big games that last few weeks. Elsewhere, um, 14 straight, the, the Chiefs have notched their 14th straight win over the Broncos, tied for the longest active winning streak by one team over another. Uh, the Patriots over the Jets is another one. Elsewhere, Justin Herbert, uh, he's thrown for 13,057 yards. It showed out on Sunday night football as he went 39 out of 51 for 367 yards and a touchdown. He passed Andrew Luck, that's a name out of the past, for the most passing yards through a quarterback's first three NFL seasons. Elsewhere, uh, Mr. Burrow beats the Browns 23-10 to and uh, went over the Browns, snapped a Ohio native. Joe Burrow was 0-4 against the Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. I, I was surprised at that stat when I heard it. Well, you know, his, it. his rookie year, he was out. True. True. I, I, he, I don't know if he played in both games against Cleveland his rookie year, um, but also it wasn't that great of a team. Uh, but Baker Mayfield that year had uh, them into the postseason, if I remember right, so... It wasn't like Cleveland was a dog that that first year of Joe Burrow's career. If if I'm right on my years, I yeah, I think so. That would have been 2020. Uh, so anyway, but elsewhere around the league, the Bills hold off the Jets. The Jets are playing really well up in Buffalo. The Bills take down, and as we mentioned, the Bengals over the Browns, the Cowboys 27 to 23 over the Texans in a game that you wonder uh, why they didn't kick the field goal, but neither there. Lions, of course, with their big win. Jaguars, boy, they looked impressive taking down the Titans 36-22. Also, uh, elsewhere, uh, we mentioned the Eagles over the Giants. The Ravens uh, hold off the Steelers 16 to 14. The Chiefs. Uh, 34 to 28 over the Broncos. The 49ers, uh, as we mentioned, man, they manhandled the Buccaneers and Tom Brady, 35 to 7. Uh, I'm pretty sure Brady threw at least one pick, maybe two in that game. Panthers, man, the Panthers and the Falcons, you know, uh, with Brady and them losing, if the Saints had have beaten them Monday night, that'd have been three teams tied for first place in that division. Uh, with five and eight records, uh, the winner might end up, uh, seven and ten in that division. And, uh, Carolina wins yesterday, uh, as they down the Seahawks. Chargers in the late night game last night, uh, they, uh, take down the Dolphins 23 to 17. And, uh, I don't know if, uh, Tyreek Hill might have been out of action for a little bit. And uh, I think he came back into the game. So, uh, Boy, just just interesting in that regard. So uh, we'll see how uh, Monday Night Football tonight, uh, the game tonight, uh, with um, uh, it's I wouldn't say it's a ho hum game, but uh, New England at Arizona, New England six and six, Arizona four and eight. Uh, uh, basically, uh, on ESPN. somebody's got to win. Yeah, you're right. New England's a point and a half favorite. Forty three and a half is the over and under. Uh, the reasons to like New England's a 50 to 30 pick over uh, the Cardinals uh, in that game to be played in uh, out in the desert uh, tonight. Uh, really, they're home underdogs. Yep, that's right. Monday night home underdogs. Kind of like a home underdog. Yeah, it's that's usually the case in that regard. So uh, we'll see. Elsewhere around, uh, Jeff, I saw something interesting. Man, the Pelicans. The Pelicans are playing really big-time basketball. Seven in a row? That's right. Not only seven in a row, but something strange I couldn't figure out. They played Phoenix 
uh, uh, Friday night uh, in New Orleans. And they came back yesterday afternoon and played Phoenix again in New Orleans. That's the thing that surprises you. Sometimes there's a quick home and home. Hockey does that a lot. Uh, Not unusual, especially if they're fairly close, uh, like St. Louis, Chicago will do home and homes quite a bit. You know, maybe not back to back days, but uh, maybe a day separating it. But you're right. uh, It was almost like a series, you know, uh, what we're used to in baseball. Yeah, and what I don't understand, of course, the the Pelicans won both games. Yeah, and again, they've won seven in a row, but I I never heard a scheduling explanation on that. It's pretty rare, but there you go. Yeah, you're right, and uh, maybe some quirk in uh, the scheduling just said, "Hey, let's let's do this." Yeah, and anyway, the Pelicans win in overtime, one twenty nine, one twenty four. The amazing thing: the Pelicans shoot fifty eight percent from the floor. You're not going to lose many games. I'm surprised it's, it was as close as it was because <laughs> the uh, the uh, the Sun shot right at 47 percent, but you shoot 58 percent from the floor, and you also uh, uh, you know don't turn the ball over much. And I just uh, wow, and they were even in rebounds and all, but uh, New Orleans didn't uh, hit the threes. They were eight for 25. Uh, uh, the Suns were 13 out of 38. And uh, might have, what might have kept them around is hitting five more threes in the, the Pelicans. But uh, the, the Pelicans, uh, of course, uh, the, our man uh, uh, Williamson had 35 points, eight rebounds, three assists, one steal. Uh, he did have five turnovers. He was 14 out of 21 from the field, five out of seven from the free throw line, two out of three from the three-point line and one offensive rebound, seven defensive rebounds. And uh, also helping him was McCollum, who had 29 points uh, to go along with four rebounds, seven assists, two steals, uh, uh, two turnovers, uh, one personal foul. But uh, 13 out of 24 from the floor, uh, three out of 10 from the three-point line, two offensive rebounds, two defensive rebounds as uh, the Pelicans playing pretty big basketball right now as the – they're leading, uh, I think they have the third best record in the uh, NBA right now with uh, basically Boston leading the way, uh, not far behind is Milwaukee, those are in the Eastern Division, while the uh, Pelicans are in the Western Division. Utah is uh, leading the, um, the uh, I should say the Northwest, no, excuse me, Denver's leading the Northwest, uh, Phoenix, who the Pelicans beat the last two, uh, two out of three nights. Along with New Orleans is eighteen and eight playing right and one like you said seven in a row they're nine and one out their last ten uh, really playing big time basketball so uh, yeah in New Orleans want to see an NBA game check the schedule see if the Pelicans are are back uh, at home I'm trying to see uh, when their next uh, uh, game is uh, in that they'll play not today but uh, they'll be on the road they're going to Utah uh, their next home game. Uh, for the Pelicans will uh, take on, let's see, uh, they go to Phoenix uh, next Saturday. Let's see, yeah, they'll be home de- Monday, December 19th, taking on the Milwaukee Bucks, who uh, have a big-time team also, uh, so uh, the second-best record in the league. But NBA action, uh, just something to keep an eye on in that regard. So uh, it should be interesting uh, in that uh, play. Elsewhere, Jeff, in the World Cup, I know a lot of fans, uh, some are watching, some aren't, but it's uh, it's down to four teams now as Argentina and Croatia will uh, go at it. 
along with France, who beat England. Boy, the England crowd was really disturbed losing to France. Anyway, uh, as uh, France takes on Morocco, and I think that's the first time an African nation has been in the uh, Final Four. The semis, yeah. Yeah, For that regard. Of course, uh, the matchups will take place December 13th at 1 p.m. our time against Argentina and Croatia. Well, Croatia beat Brazil, I think, on penalty kicks. I think uh, did Argentina do the same thing? I believe uh, it's possible. I think you know, you're right. I think you're right. You know, there weren't a lot of PK games, uh, and again, it's really overtime. Uh, not, they're not penalty kicks, but overtime shootout. In my uh, opinion, I hate the term PK because uh, no. no penalty was involved. Correct. But anyway, other other than forcing us through two overtime periods. We the the fan is penalized uh, having to go through that another five minutes of play. It looks but yeah, like. and and you are right. Morocco became the first African nation to get to the semis, and you know what I didn't think about uh, Morocco and Spain. Uh, they're pretty close. Those oh, yes. two countries. Granted, oh, yes. there's a body, a small body of water between them, but uh, that was quite the rivalry. Oh, it is that it is. And Morocco, uh, of course, the Moors uh, during the what the 11th, 12th century uh, invaded mm. Spain. The Moops, according and, to yeah. Seinfeld. <laughs> and basically, a lot of their uh, heritage is still buried in that part of Spain. So, uh, anyway, uh, France uh, beat it, the merry old England, uh, or I should say, Great Britain, uh, as they take them down. And uh, that game, uh, the first match is going to be on the 13th at one o'clock our time. And the second one will follow the next day on the 14th, at uh, also at 1 p.m. And the winners of those two uh, matches uh, will play in the finals on the 18th of December at 9 o'clock our time in the morning. So I'm sure over in Quartar, it's, I don't know, with the uh, hours of six, seven hours maybe difference. I want to say it's a little bit more than that. Even yeah. more? Okay. So, uh so basically, those matches, uh, semifinal matches, along with a lot of other matches, have been played in the evenings or at night. Yeah, late night. Uh, yeah, because of the heat and, and all. The still. heat being a part of it. And Sunday's final, uh, the winners of those two games, again, one on Tuesday, one on Wednesday. Finals will be Sunday morning at 8 a.m. Well, the coverage begins at 8 a.m. our time. And uh, they're playing both of those games at the same time. No, no. The Saturday game is the third place game. All right, um, and that'll be nine o'clock our time as far as the start of the game, and then Sunday's final nine a.m. on Fox just before NFL action. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, we'll get to see soccer, and unless then... unless Terry uh, and the rest of the <laughs> knucklehead crew. Well, it's going to be interesting. I can tell you that. So uh, basically, just to go over it again, Croatia beats Brazil. Uh, they went on a four to two on penalty kicks uh, as uh, Brazil uh, just amazing uh, uh, doesn't make it. I think they they were favorites. They were the number one seed going into this World Cup, uh, and they get beat by Croatia uh, in an interesting match elsewhere. The Argentina took down the Netherlands, who beat the, uh, the United States earlier uh, last week. Uh, I think they beat them three to one. Argentina uh, takes down the Netherlands. Uh, as a four to three on penalty kicks, uh, elsewhere Morocco uh, takes down Portugal one to nothing, and they score in the forty second minute to uh, to make it. And you know they talk about and Jeff, pardon my ignorance with soccer, but they talk about Cristiano Ronaldo might have been playing his final match, and he, he's supposedly one of the best soccer players in the world. Um, so might might have seen the last of him. Elsewhere, France takes down England as Harry Kane's first penalty. 
that tied the game, but his second sailed over the crossbar as France became the first defending champion to reach the semifinals since Brazil in 1998. So uh, should have some uh, pretty nice uh, matchups in that regard. We'd go over that. And uh, anyway, um, uh, just soccer uh, is king around the world, as uh, I'm sure. I'd like to know what the viewership some of those matches are during the course of uh, uh, play. And, and the times, though, are, are tough. A lot of these weekday games uh, played at either 9 in the morning or 1 in the afternoon and uh, maybe drawing on the weekends. But I know soccer enthusiasts found ways to watch those games. Oh, you betcha. Oh, boy, that they did, The way too. I find ways to watch a Cub game at one sure. twenty on a Friday afternoon. I mean, yeah. you find a way to make it happen. Yeah, that they do. And uh, the, as you mentioned, the soccer enthusiasts look for uh, the games and uh with uh, television today and streaming and everything else, if you want to watch any type of uh, athletic event uh, for a small fee, you can watch it. Uh, yeah, it's pretty I mean, relevant uh, that you can find anything you really want. You can probably find horse races. I mean, you know, I watched a couple of those matches, the 1 o'clock matches. You know, my Touch Matters wraps up at 1. Pull out my tablet. Uh, I've got Hulu on there, and boom, I'm watching the match. Yeah, you know? yeah it's... It's pretty uh, I'm easy. sure there was a lot of wasted time at the office for some soccer fans. <laughs> You're right. Especially, you know, it's really big in South America and Central America soccer. Uh, over in the Middle East, uh, not sure about the African nations, but uh, they have a good many of them that get involved in uh, soccer, uh, along with the European nations, uh, uh, especially the, the uh, Western European nations uh, are big into soccer. So with France, England, Spain, and those countries, along with uh, Italy and others. So... Uh, Soccer still probably the most uh, watched um, sporting event in the world uh, in that regard, other than possibly maybe when the Olympics come around every four years, summer or winter. Don't know about winter, but summer's still pretty large in that regard. So, uh, but again, a lot of it comes down to okay, where are they playing these games? True. What time are they live? A lot of folks um, are put off by watching taped sports because. The outcomes are so easy to find in advance of, you know, we didn't know, say, back in 1980, the U.S. hockey team. Yeah, that was tape delayed. That was tape delayed. It was. Um, was. Very few people knew what the final was, unless you were in the arena. Yeah, that's right. And And then I'm sure word started to trickle out. Yeah, well, back in the day, even the 60s, uh, when satellites were commanding a lot of the sporting events, with the Olympics being over in Japan or Australia or wherever they were at the time, uh, you were getting uh, everything pretty much delayed, uh, other than maybe if you had listened to a radio broadcast where they might have announced uh, uh, the outcomes of events. And look at this past uh, year where our young uh, young lady, um, uh, a pole vaulter, uh, was pole vaulting over in Japan, and uh, that was coming on. Morgan Lullum. Yeah, at 5 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, you know, she that, was yeah. pole vaulting, you know, uh, and late in Japan, of course. And it was the next day in Japan because the international dateline. A lot of people don't realize that either. So um, just, you know, sporting events today, uh, you can both catch, as we were mentioning about that. So uh, anyway, uh, just about uh, time to take our first break. And uh, usually at the 730 hour, uh, we'd go to Coach Ryan Antoine uh, in that regard. with He, he would speak about his uh, – Westgate uh, Tiger team, but uh, of course they were knocked out of the playoffs the Friday before. But we're going to talk a little bit about the high school uh, state championship games uh, when we come back uh, 
from our first break here on Bayou Sports. So uh, in the meantime, uh, you're listening to Bayou Sports here on a big Monday uh, on FM 107.5 and AM 1240. We'll be back with more right after this. The Quarter Tavern is the premier spot for live music on Thursday at Southern Jack Friday. Gerald Grunig and Gentilly Zydeco. Remember, never a cover at the Quarter Tavern. Quarter Tavern, 910 East Main across from McDonald's. The best drink prices in the Berry. Domestic beer, $2. Imports, $3 all day, every day, other than during bands and special benefits. Monthly bingo back this Wednesday. Ten games beginning at 7. Four winners split the pod and six others win a bar tab. Once again, the Quarter Tavern, 910 East Main, now serving fresh fruit, margaritas, and daiquiris. Is it time for a new roof or to repair the old one? Hi, this is Jake Blanchard with L.A. Classic Roofing. We're a third-generation roofing contractor that has been in the business for over 70 years. As a locally owned and operated company, we're also licensed and insured for your peace of mind. We offer free estimates and a $100 referral fee for full roof replacement. Check us out on Facebook at L.A. Classic Roofing. And the number to call is 465-3888. L.A. Classic Roofing, professional roofing solutions since the 1950s. Nowadays, none of us can be without adequate insurance coverage, but we still want to be sure we're getting the best value for the money. That's why so many people call the Schwing Insurance Agency to get a quote. The Schwing family has been handling the insurance needs of businesses and homeowners for almost 80 years. You can depend on Schwing Insurance to find the coverage you need at the best price. So before you buy a new policy or renew an existing one, call the Schwing Insurance Agency for a quote at 365-2357. Schwing Insurance, 300 East Main, across from the shadows. With more than 50 years of pain diagnosis and pain relief experience, Headache and Pain Center offers the latest in interventional pain relief techniques at two locations in Gray and here in New Iberia. Compassionate board certified physicians and the caring staff offer minimally invasive ultrasound and fluoroscopy guided procedures that diminish or eliminate pain without open surgery, opioids, or major downtime. When you're in pain, you know who to call. Headache and Pain Center, 337-560-0880 or go to answer to pain.com celebrating 75 years in business danos has been setting the standard for generations become part of something bigger join the team we're currently hiring for a variety of offshore positions in both our production and construction divisions and you can apply right now at danos.com or call us at 1-833-GO-DANOS great jobs great people that's Danos. Now back to Bayou Sports. Phone lines are open to talk sports at 367-1240. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on a big Monday, uh, December the 12th, uh, here on Kane Radio. Uh, and as I mentioned, as we were take, going to take our break, that high school football has finally come to a conclusion here with the uh, state, champion, get state championship games in the uh, Superdome. Oh, this past weekend, of course, we had the two games last Thursday night we spoke about with uh, Oak Grove beating Homer 7 and nothing, and uh, one of our local teams, uh, Vermillion Catholic, uh, getting beat by a Washtar Christian 28-14. to But uh, in no particular order, the state championship games, we'll start off with a select in Division One as John Curtis wins their, what, 28th, 29th uh, state championship game over the past uh, 50 years, as they downed a district rival, Brother Martin, uh, by the score of 23 to nothing, and pretty much uh, Curtis controlled the game. Brother Martin, coming out of uh, the uh, semis, went 5-5 five and five during the regular season and uh, came through the playoffs, uh, beating some, uh, some pretty good football teams along the way. And uh, they make it to the state championship game where they dropped a 
uh, 23 to nothing decision decision to uh, to uh, John Curtis and uh, John Curtis uh, uh, wins I believe uh, I don't have that in front of me 28th 29th state championship game and uh, I think he's won them in just about every class I was gonna say <laughs> you know, over the years yeah, he's often played up in classification so kudos for that um, the dominating team that they've been uh, never afraid to take on a challenge yeah and you know I, i'm not so sure they have 300 students in the uh, high school total you know i joke all the time about 100 male students 88 are on the football team you know <laughs> and it's, it's a little suspicious there. it is and i'm sure he attends a lot of these uh peewee football games and uh uh, mid-school football games around the city and the metro area in New Orleans. Uh, but anyway, hats off to them. They beat Brother Martin, who got there by downing uh, Karen Crow uh, by a score of 55-24 uh, to 24 early in the week, where Karen Crow had a lead at some time during the game. But uh, uh, John Curtis Christian School, 23 to nothing over the Brother Martin Crusaders uh, as they uh, win a state uh, championship uh, in that regard, elsewhere in uh, in the select division, also Division Two, which was probably the craziest game uh, all weekend. Uh, as Friday afternoon, I think it was uh, approximately I don't know if it was a, th- I it was think a noon a kickoff. Noon kickoff uh, St. Thomas More out of Lafayette take on district rival, another district game uh, uh, Lafayette Christian Academy, who jumped out. Uh, St. Thomas More had a seventeen fourteen lead at halftime. And Lafayette Christian comes out and starts to blow him out the stadium. And uh, St. Thomas Moore comes back with a score here and a score there. They're down by 10, I do believe, uh, 48 to uh, 38. With about two minutes left to go in the game, they score uh, to cut the lead to uh, 48 to uh, uh, 45. And collect an onside kick, which, uh, listening to the radio broadcast, but I'm pretty sure there were Lafayette Christian announcers on the station I was listening to. And they, uh, they were St. Thomas Moore, the Cougars recover their onside kick, uh, go in to score to make it 52-48 and, uh, Lafayette Christian. Uh, goes down pretty much uh, the same way the Saints did. They, they give up two touchdowns in the last two minutes, or even I think less than that in the game. Might have been a minute and a half left to go in the game as John Curtis scores twice to beat uh, Lafayette Christian in probably the most exciting game uh, there in the Superdome. That was Friday at noon, as you mentioned. Elsewhere in select division, Division Three, St. Charles Catholic, uh, they again uh, uh, defend their state championship as they beat Dunham, a surprise team, talking to coaches. Uh, Dunham being a surprise team as they beat ULAB the week before to advance to the state championship game as they take on St. Charles Catholic, which uh, uh, basically Wayne Stein had won that game last year, Coach Wayne Stein, uh, the nephew of Frank Monica, who for many years coached at St. Charles Catholic, a dear friend of mine, and uh, so uh, St. Charles Catholic defends their title in that regard. And we talked about the Division Four game in the select as uh, Washtenaw Christian beat uh, the Screaming Eagles of Vermilion Catholic out of Abbeville last Thursday uh, for the state championship. Elsewhere in Division One and non-select, Destrahan takes down uh, Ruston 17-10. Of course, Destrahan, who beat our hometown, the Westgate Tigers, the week before. Uh, they go on to uh, – no, I don't think they ever – uh, I don't think Rustin ever led in that game. Uh, Destrahan scores on their first drive and then come back to kick a field goal to make it uh, 10 nothing. Rustin comes back, 
to tie the game up, and Destrahan scores late on a long run of about a 30-yard run by the quarterback, Jai Eugene, to uh, win their state championship. And I think the fifth in school history, the last time they won a state championship, Destrahan was in 2008, I do believe, as they down the Ruston uh, Bearcats 17-10. Uh, to 10. In Division Two, in the non-select, Lutcher, all over North DeSoto, uh, by a score of 28 to 19. Of course, I believe Lutcher can't recall the young man's name. They got a quarterback that's produced over 60 touchdowns this year, uh, who uh, has run for 30 and I think thrown for over 30 as they take down North DeSoto, the Lutcher Bulldogs. And I'm sure that's, um, one of those skins on the wall. Lutcher is one of those schools that have won numerous state championships as they, uh, take another one. Elsewhere in Division Three, uh, the Manny, uh, team, uh, takes down Union Parish, Farmerville, out of Farmerville. Uh, Manny wins 35 to 13, and they win another state championship. Manny, uh, out of, uh, up near, uh, Toledo Bend. Uh, they take down, uh, Union Parish, who, uh, over the years has, uh, played much. And Union Parish has a running back, um, uh, an LSU commitment. And of course, he should be signing in two weeks. Um, Holly, I believe is his last name or first name. Trey Holly, I yeah, think. Yeah, and he's led the state. He set the state all-time rushing record. Yeah, he also had five years in varsity football. Yeah, he played too. as an eighth grader. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, he's the all-time leading rusher in the state of Louisiana. They go down to Manny, uh, by a score of 35 to 13, uh, high school football, which, uh, pretty much wraps it up now. Of course, they have a few, uh, all-star games. Some of these young men are selected I, too. I don't wait, you like national all-star games. I think they got rid of the LHSA kind of sanctioned all-star game. Yeah, they used, used to, to take play place those in the, in the summer. summer. But, you know, they have like a little f- area all-star game. In fact, um, maybe I may get in contact with Coach uh, Martin. Terry Martin okay. uh, has a lot to do with that okay. Lafayette area all-star game. I'm going to see if they're still playing it and maybe get them on the air to talk about it, if, in fact, it is coming up. Yeah, it should be. Now that the state championship games are over, usually they set up east-west like uh, the Acadiana area versus the Lake Charles area. I Something like a that, game yeah. like that that they play to showcase their talents, and uh, college coaches can uh, – you know, there's sometimes kids that uh, slide through the cracks with opportunities. And speaking of opportunities, um, I think the first signing date for uh, high school football players uh, when they make commitments to their various schools uh, is December the 21st, which is not uh, this coming uh, Wednesday, but the following Wednesday. So uh, some young men in our area have made commitments to various schools uh, over at Westgate. There are a couple of young men. I think Latulos is committed to La Tech, along with uh, Williams, who's committed to the University of Texas. Uh, will they be signing their uh, grant aids and letters of intent uh, this uh, the 21st? What remains to be seen. And uh, also, um, of course, there are kids that enter the portal. And I saw an interesting one this weekend, Jeff. Uh, Zai Alexander, the fine young athlete out of Lorville who went on to Southeastern for the past two or three years, has entered his name into the portal. Uh, is the portal in division in the FCS? It is. It is. And his name but is. But you don't really need to enter the portal to, say, go to Division One. I don't know if those rules have changed. Yeah, maybe You so. know, since that's come into play, I'm not sure about that. But I saw his name entered into the portal and got an offer from USC. 
mm. along with some other state schools and uh, some other I'm trying to think who else uh, might have maybe La Tech. I'm not sure about UL. I know Tulane made an offer to him uh, and there were some other schools. So the young quarterback who is now, I think, a safety or a cornerback, a deep back at Southeastern with uh, three and was, I think, a, a, an honorable mention or maybe a second team uh, um, All-American in the uh, – F, uh, in the division. FCS. FCS, yes. So uh, hats off to him. Maybe uh, even Coach Martin might know a little bit more about that, too, if you do speak with him about the All-Star game. And uh, trying to see, of course, LSU's had a – Josh Besh has gone into the uh, the portal along with some other LSU players. And uh, I think Coach Kelly is looking around uh, for players to fill needs uh, with older players, uh, instead of having freshmen, uh, rely on freshmen coming in and giving us support and starting. So I know, of course, Coach Kelly this year had two freshman offensive tackles who weren't red shirts, uh, who start for the Tigers, uh, at left and right tackle and have done a pretty good job in Campbell and the other young man name escapes me from Catholic High Baton Rouge, uh, have done a pretty good job for the Tigers this year. Uh, of course, as they uh, get ready for their bowl game, the Citrus Bowl game over in Florida, I think uh, January the 2nd at noon they play that game um, as they take on, um, well, my mind's uh, wondering, uh, the Tigers play in that bowl game January 2nd at noon, uh, our time, um, Mm, Purdue, yes, Purdue, the runner-up Big Ten championship game. So uh, we'll see uh, what comes into play with that. High school football winding down this weekend, and uh, uh, we'll look uh, for maybe uh, announcements with uh, all district teams and all state teams in the next coming weeks. Uh, we'll have a little bit about that, too, on the broadcast, honor some of our local kids at, uh, who distinguish themselves throughout the course of the year. Uh, don't know if you have anything else. No, uh, one thing, though, I wanted okay. to mention. I know you just had some communication with Coach Watney, and uh, apparently he made uh, a bunch of the games this past weekend and talked more about that tonight. But I'd also, and, and you may have some thoughts right now, it's, it's tough for me to sit and judge whether this playoff system uh, worked at the end of the day, but I'd appreciate his thoughts on it okay. tonight as you all right. talk to him and other perspectives as to how it all shook out. I know Eddie Bonine was all over the Louisiana Radio Network last week thinking that it, it had been a huge success, the playoffs in general, and then getting all the teams back in the Superdome for those championship games. Of course, it was his idea, so of course he thought it was a tremendous Success, but now that uh, it's shaken out, uh, curious what folks may think about uh, it. And, and again, I, I understand completely the coaches who uh, said, hey, I think I would have made a different schedule had I known. Um, but overall, I'm glad less teams made the playoffs. That, that's the only yeah. thing I can say for sure. I'm glad, glad no one-win teams made the playoffs, or at least I don't think any did. No, you're right about that. Or even teams with losing records. There might have been a couple with the 4-6 the and six and 5-5 five and five areas. But all in all, uh, I think it went well. Of course, uh, the problem is uh, come January, the principals mm-hmm. are going to start there uh, tearing it apart, whether they liked it or didn't like it. I know Coach Antoine from Westgate had some uh, opinions about uh, that. Uh, you know, here he is, a 900-student school playing a 13 and 1,400-student yeah, school. Yeah, I mean, That's a big difference, man, when you're talking about 200 additional boys when you cut it in half, you know, with girls. 
you take out the girls and uh, another 200 boys, they have access to to play football, and that that's a big difference too. Uh, take on a, a triple A school, taking on a single A school with the uh, less than uh, 200 kids in a triple-A school with five and 600 kids. So uh, it does make a difference. And I'll get Coach uh, Watney's uh, thought process on that. And I'm thinking the six of the eight games he made were the two Friday and, and, and the three Friday and three Saturday. More than likely. Yeah, yeah. unless he went down to see uh, VC play, which he coached at. True. Uh, back when they won a state championship, I think, in 2013. So should be interesting, uh, some of his comments, and uh, we'll see how that all comes into play, too. So uh, high school football uh, winding down, and uh, we'll see how that will all come into play. Elsewhere, uh, Jeff, uh, just about time maybe to take our next break. You're listening to Bayou Sports here on Kane Radio, FM 107.5 and AM 1240. We'll be back with more right after this. Hey guys, if you're looking for the top golf experience in Iberia Parish, you need to look no further than Cane Row Golf and Turf Club. Low or high handicappers will enjoy the beautiful greens, the recently refurbished sand traps, and incredibly plush fairways. And by the way, you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy Cane Row. The brand new clubhouse sports some of the best burgers, pizza, wings, and many other choices along with absolutely the best, most potent margaritas that you've ever tried. So whether it's golf, food, or just some fun, come to Cane Row and enjoy. Landry has been traveling around District 49 talking to friends and neighbors about bringing prosperity and economic freedom to all our citizens. As we visited with thousands of people across our great district, many asked, how can we get involved in moving our district forward? Join us by going to jacoblandryforlouisiana.com where you can easily sign up and join our campaign. Go to jacoblandryforlouisiana.com and register now to join us. Pay for by the Jacob Landry for Louisiana campaign. The Quarter Tavern is the premier spot for live music on Thursday at Southern Jack Friday. Cheryl Grunig and Gentilly Zydeco. Remember, never a cover at the Quarter Tavern. Quarter Tavern, 910 East Main across from McDonald's. The best drink prices in the Berry. Domestic beer, $2. Imports, $3 all day, every day, other than during bands and special benefits. Monthly bingo back this Wednesday. Ten games beginning at 7. Four winners split the pod and six others win a bar tab. Once again, the Quarter Tavern, 910 East Main, now serving fresh fruit, margaritas, and daiquiris. Nowadays, none of us can be without adequate insurance coverage, but we still want to be sure we're getting the best value for the money. That's why so many people call the Schwing Insurance Agency to get a quote. The Schwing family has been handling the insurance needs of businesses and homeowners for almost 80 years. You can depend on Schwing Insurance to find the coverage you need at the best price. So before you buy a new policy or renew an existing one, call the Schwing Insurance Agency for a quote at 365-2357. Schwing Insurance, 300 East Main, across from the shadows. Hi, this is Boxcar Bajero inviting you to join me and PGA Golf Professional Teddy Slyman for Chip Shots. Mondays from 5 to 6 p.m. we'll take an in-depth look at the local, state, and national golf scenes. And we invite you to chip in with your calls at 367-1240. Chip Shots is sponsored by the Coca-Cola Bottling Company, GolfBalls.com, and our local golf clubs, Eagle Ridge, Kangaroo, and Sugar Oak. So let's make it tea time for 5 p.m. on Mondays for Chip Shots on Kane. Stream us live on Kane1240.com and catch the podcast the next day. Now back to Bayou Sports on the all-new Kane 107.5. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on Kane Radio, FM 107.5 and AM 1240. And uh, as we stick with uh, college football for right now, uh, the Heisman Trophy was handed out uh, Saturday evening. And uh, the quarterback from USC, Caleb Williams, 
uh, with 2,031 points, won the Heisman Trophy on Saturday, beating out uh, TCU quarterback Max Dugan, who had 1,420, followed by Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud with 539, and Georgia quarterback Stetson Bennett with 349 as uh pretty much uh, the way it goes so uh Caleb uh Williams who um was wasn't necessarily the uh, Heisman favorite going into the year. I'm pretty sure it was C.J. Stroud, uh, as they were talking about him a lot in Ohio State. Uh, but of course, when Ohio State uh, was ambushed pretty much by Michigan uh, over at the Horseshoe, as Michigan in the second half beat down Ohio State pretty good, uh, he might have lost his opportunity. Caleb Williams, you know, I think they voted before the uh, <laughs> the Utah game, as uh, Utah did the same thing to uh, USC in the second half as they shot them down. But Williams also got hurt in that game. Uh, I think he had a hamstring injury. Not sure what his probability of playing in the bowl game in the Cotton Bowl. They take on Tulane in the Cotton Bowl uh, January the 2nd. It's a shame uh, both Louisiana schools are playing at the same time uh, on January 2nd yeah. at noon uh, for that game. So Williams, uh, not sure how serious – the injury was to him in that particular game. Uh, I mean, you could have a tweak, you could have a tear, you could uh, with a, a hamstring. So not sure how serious that injury was. The recovery time for that, if it's minor, major, I'm not sure. But uh, he accepts the Heisman Trophy uh, Saturday evening up in New York, uh, beating out uh, TCU quarterback Max Dugan, who was a surprise, uh, I think, uh, through the course of the year when TCU was going undefeated until they lost that championship game to uh, Kansas State, who will take on Alabama in the Sugar Bowl game uh, later on uh, this year. As uh, I believe the Sugar Bowl game is going to be played uh, the Saturday, I believe, the 31st. Correct. Along with a few other the bowl games. The Orange Bowl maybe too. Yeah. Um, and, and the Orange Bowl maybe, or the Sugar Bowl may not even be a primetime game. Okay. Remember, one of those two is going to be uh, during the day. And and also, you got to remember, they have the uh, Peach Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl. I think of those. Uh, those, those are the are two semifinal games. On the 31st. Yes. So uh, a lot of football, uh, New Year's Eve. But just a uh, real Go quick. Go ahead. Um, I'm looking at one story uh, talking about Williams' season, and then they just throw in there, he'll have the opportunity to add to those numbers in the Cotton Bowl. So... At least as of the time this story was printed, he has made no reference to not to skipping the game, no. whether or not he's healthy, but there's no uh, suggestion in this story that he is not healthy. I think Lincoln Riley said he's good to go. You know, he's going to try to play in this game. I'm not saying uh, he won't, but uh, he's got another year, and he said he's coming back to UC, uh, USC next year to play for the uh, Trojans. So uh, we'll see what uh, that's going to be like. Um, in the meantime, of course, uh, I, I was pulling for the Georgia quarterback, Stetson Bennett. I mean, he was a walk-on in college. You know, a lot of people don't realize Williams was at Oklahoma last year, and when uh, Lincoln Raleigh took the USC job, he went with him. Oh, yeah. And uh, got into the portal and ended up at USC, wins the Heisman, which in my mind – doesn't that give USC more Heisman's than any other college? I want to say did they uh, they were t- the four schools I think tied at seven, and I think with USC winning this one uh, it brought them to eight. I could, and that's even with Reggie Bush's uh, uh, Heisman that was uh, taken from him back in uh, a few years ago. So uh, the Heisman Trophy. Uh, 
uh, Williams with uh, uh, the, um, uh, uh, I want to say, with USC wins the Heisman. Elsewhere, Jeff, don't know if you watched a little bit of that Navy-Army oh, game. I, I tell you what, I was more engaged in that game than I can remember, and all because of the intensity of the two defenses. I, I thought it was just fun watching those cats go at it. Um, and, and, you know, again, the the serious nature between these two schools and the, the rivalries, it was, it was a hoot to watch. Um, but, again, the defense is dominating. But the, the funny storyline, it was the betting the over versus the under. And those who may have bet the over uh, are thankful for overtime. And you ready for this? That's the first time the Army-Navy game has gone over since 2005. And it had to do it in overtime. That's That's, right. That's right. And, uh, of course, when Army blocked that punt to make it – the extra point to make it 7-3, I thought that was going to be it in the scoring. And then uh, the Navy kid – who was the kid that uh, goes 70-something yards for a score to make it 10-7 – He's the kid that fumbles the ball in overtime at the one-yard line. And you got a feel for him. Of course, Army uh, goes on to kick the winning field goal. All they've got to do is run the ball. I think they kicked it on third down in case there was a mishandled snap or, or a penalty. But they go ahead and uh, kick the winning field goal to down Navy by a score of 20-17. to 17. And both teams score in overtime a touchdown from 25 yards out. Uh, just amazing uh, how that worked out. And uh, – and the kicker, after the game sometime yesterday, the Navy coach was fired after yeah, 15 I was years. S- I just pulled up the story. Ken Nematolo out as uh, the Navy football coach, the winningest coach in Navy history, but apparently uh, he's all of a sudden just become dumb. Yeah, that's right. It's amazing how that happens. And Chet Gladchuk, who I know is the uh, Navy athletic director. I think Chet, Chet still is the Navy athletic director. He was at Tulane for about five years. Got Chet, to know yeah, him pretty he, well. He said in a statement, Navy football flourished for many years under his leadership. He'll forever be remembered for the influence he had on the lives of those who played for him. We all have great respect and appreciation for his 25 years of service to the academy, but he's trash to us now. No, I added that. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's... Um, Interesting. Tough situation there. Yeah, he, he, it really is. It really is. And I uh, don't know uh, Chet's reasonings. I'm not sure. Navy ha- is one of those schools that went 2-10 and ten one year and then came back and won 10 games the next year. Uh, so, uh, and a lot of people don't realize this, but Navy and Army, I think along with Air Force, the academies, have prepped teams to where you can go to the Naval Academy. You're not necessarily enrolled in uh, Annapolis at the academy, but they have maybe 70, 80, 100 kids that play football, and they have a JV schedule and a freshman schedule. And uh, I'm sure a lot of those kids that make those rosters uh, come on and play on the varsity the following year. And uh, a lot of and Navy, Army, and Air Force can sign as many kids as they wish. They're not held to the uh, twenty-five rule that most uh, colleges are, because if they have to give a five-year commitment after you graduate at one of the academies to uh, to go. So uh, anyway, and they're also paid twelve hundred and fifty dollars a month for their services. Uh, of course, I don't know what their expenses come into detail with regards to. Uh, uniforms and shoes and things of that nature but uh, the academies a little different and if you follow recruiting like i do some 
you'll see with Navy and Army getting commitments from 20, not 25 kids, but 60 and 70 kids each year who some uh, marginals with grades. Of course, you have to be really good in math to go to either, either one of those academies. And uh, just a little different and uh, with that. So um, yeah, I had a couple of my classmates go to the Naval Academy. It's tough to get two kids out of the same class uh, into the Navy uh, Naval Academy. But I was texting one of them uh, during the game, uh, rooting for Navy with him. But uh, unfortunately, it didn't happen. Yeah, you're right. And um, I've, my family's kind of torn. I've had uh, my dad was in the Army. My uncle was in the Navy. I never saw any... Uh, bickering with that game and all but it's pretty big and they've had a few kids in this area go to west point and they've had a few go to the naval academy uh, the first one i can think of is uh jim foray's son went to the naval academy along with uh, uh, uh garrison's son went to uh west point so and i think a few other kids from catholic i've gone to west point at one time uh, i had three friends who were at the air force academy so uh it's a little, uh, it's a little different, and uh, it's uh, he. It kind of sets football back a hundred years when you watch them play, because you're thinking of the twenties where you they run, run, run. What would they? I think Army threw the ball seven or eight, ten times yeah. during the game, and Navy what two or three? That was it. So uh, it brings back college football where it was a hundred years ago. <laughs> anyway, in the meantime, anyway, Jeff, um, just about time yeah. uh, for another break. We'll get Bob uh, Rose. By the on. way, just one other piece of college football. News. All right. Mike Leach, um, Mississippi State oh, head yeah. coach, hospitalized. I forgot to mention that. I heard uh, you know, Ross Dellinger, I think, tweeted uh, it's it's he's critical. It uh, is. It, I don't have any details other than that, but uh, I just know that they were saying keep the family in your thoughts and prayers. Yeah, it's uh, Leach is. Uh, I, I'm honest. They're kind of fearing a loss of blood to, through his brain. Uh, don't know what type of uh, injury he had or symptoms or uh but uh yeah he it doesn't look good for mike leach right now mississippi state head football coach anyway with that uh let's go ahead and take our break you're listening to bayou sports here on kane radio fm 107.5 and am 1240 we'll be back with bob rose uh the saints uh, beat writer with si right after this is it time for a new roof or to repair the old one Hi, this is Jake Blanchard with L.A. Classic Roofing. We're a third-generation roofing contractor that has been in the business for over 70 years. As a locally owned and operated company, we're also licensed and insured for your peace of mind. We offer free estimates and a $100 referral fee for full roof replacement. Check us out on Facebook at L.A. Classic Roofing. And the number to call is 465-3888. L.A. Classic Roofing, professional roofing solutions since the 1950s. I am Jacob Lander, and I'm tired of seeing Louisiana fumble away good-paying jobs to our neighbors across the Sun Belt. That's why I'm running for state representative of District 49, because bringing opportunity back to Louisiana is a touchdown for all of us. As your next state representative, I will work hard to expand vocational training programs so that all of our people can have the tools to succeed. I am Jacob Landry, and I am a proven job creator. All I need is your support and your vote. Paid for by the Jacob Landry for Louisiana campaign. With more than 50 years of pain diagnosis and pain relief experience, Headache and Pain Center offers the latest in interventional pain relief techniques at two locations in Gray and here in New Iberia. Compassionate board-certified physicians and the caring staff offer minimally invasive ultrasound and fluoroscopy-guided procedures that diminish or eliminate pain without open surgery, opioids, or major downtime. When you're in pain, you know who to call. Headache and Pain Center, 337-560-0880, or go to answer to pain.com. 
Hey guys, if you're looking for the top golf experience in Iberia Parish, you need to look no further than Cane Row Golf and Turf Club. Low or high handicappers will enjoy the beautiful greens, the recently refurbished sand traps, and incredibly plush fairways. And by the way, you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy Cane Row. The brand new clubhouse sports some of the best burgers, pizza, wings, and many other choices along with absolutely the best, most potent margaritas that you've ever tried. So whether it's golf, food, or just some fun, come to Cane Row and enjoy. Are you an enthusiastic sports fan? Want to have fun and get in on the action? Heck yes, that'd be awesome. Have great attention to detail? Want to stay active? Definitely. Want to give back to the student-athletes in your community? Obviously, yes! Then you'd make an excellent high school sports official. We need more officials in Louisiana. Because with no high school officials, there are no high school sports. Sign up today at highschoolofficials.com. Now back to Bayou Sports. Phone lines are open to talk sports at 367-1240. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on a big Monday morning, uh, December the 12th. And on the line with us uh, is beat writer SI for the Saints, Bob Rose. Good morning, Bob, and how are you? Good morning. Happy Monday to you guys out there. Uh, I'm doing well. I hope you were doing the same. Yeah, we got a little overcast here. Hopefully, you've got some rain over the weekend. Uh, we expect some more uh, later tomorrow, I do believe. In the meantime, Bob, uh, boy, the anguish over <laughs> 16 to 3, huh? Just uh, not meant to be. And then when you see the Bucks yesterday just get pulverized by the 49ers defense, uh, really makes you wonder if uh, Saints had won that game, they'd be tied, I think, uh, or pretty close to being tied for first place. Yeah, they would. And uh, I think they'd still be a game or maybe even a game and a half out. Uh, but they would have controlled their own destiny over their last four games uh, You know, had they just pulled off that one victory. That's how bad the NFC South is. And yeah, Believe it or not, gentlemen, the the New Orleans Saints are still mathematically alive for the NFC West title. Are oh, they really? Uh, yes, they are. It's it, it's a far fetched but very simple scenario. The Saints have to win their last four. The Buccaneers have to drop uh, at least three of their last four, and uh, the the Panthers have to lose two games. That's it. Wow. And you know, if, if if all that happens. And eight and nine New Orleans Saints team will be your NFC South champions. Atlanta's not in that mix at all? Uh, no. Um, and the reason is Atlanta is one game ahead of New Orleans in the standings. Uh, but, you know, with the Saints already having beaten them once, right. if, you know, if New Orleans wins out, obviously that means another victory over Atlanta. So New Orleans would hold the tiebreaker. New, the, the Saints could only have a tiebreaker advantage over the Falcons for the remainder of the year. So they'd be all right. They'd take the division title if they and Atlanta finish tied. But that's why Carolina has to lose two more games, and you know they play the Saints in one of those, uh, where Carolina would have ten losses in the win column. And because of Tampa Bay's sweep of New Orleans, that's why the Buccaneers have to lose three more games, so they would have to have ten losses in the win col- uh, in the loss column. Yeah, but uh, one problem is is that the Saints have to play the Eagles up in Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> that is one big problem the way they're playing right now. Bob. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, if you're going to do a power ranking right now, uh, you've got to put the Philadelphia Eagles at the top. Uh, you know, some people are claiming that you know that, that they haven't played a real strong schedule or they haven't looked real strong. I think I agree with you. I think they're playing their best football right now. And you know, if the playoffs were to start today, 
I think the Philadelphia Eagles should be the prohibitive favorites. I agree with you, and uh, as well as the Cowboys played yesterday uh, in that regard. So um, you still wonder uh, with you know on that other side with the Bills, the Bills who start out with a gang fire, and now they've kind of cooled off a little bit. And uh, the Jets who are really playing really well, Miami's playing well, even though they mm-hmm. were been defeated the last two weekends. Uh, uh, it's uh, it's it's still in the uh, in the AFC. The, man, the Chiefs. Uh, uh, they're playing well right now too. So it's uh, over in the NFC. Uh, the Eagles, the Cowboys, uh, pretty much the Giants are starting to fade a little bit. But the Forty Nine ers mm-hmm. yesterday, whoa! Their defense. Uh, uh, they bring in Mister Irrelevant, and uh, look what he does. Purdy from Iowa State as uh, Brock Purdy. As he, he, I don't think the Forty Nine ers missed a, a step yesterday with Garoppolo being out. No, they certainly did not. Yeah, the the Forty Niners are humming, and they're yeah they're playing be- uh, as good a football as anybody right now. Uh, you know, and, and you're right. You know, going forward into the playoffs, you have to be concerned about a third string rookie seventh round draft choice as your quarterback. Uh, but the Forty ers have so many other ways to beat you. Uh, you know, and defensively, I, I defense. This is the that's the best defense in the National Football League right now, in my opinion. Uh, it is. It is, and. Uh... They get the most out of it. Uh, Tom Brady was, uh, I couldn't say running for his life yesterday, but it seemed like they had more red shirts than white wherever you looked in that regard. So uh, uh, it's going to be interesting <laughs> to see how things uh, fall into place in that regard. So uh, very interesting. And then, uh, of course, Bob, um, this weekend the Saints uh, – Entertain the Falcons, who come in five and eight. Of course, the Saints four and nine at a noon kickoff. Uh, uh, will the Saints get some more of their injured back? It looks like you know. Uh, will Marshawn uh, Lattimore finally see the field and uh, a few others? I, you know, I'm very interested to see what happens with both Marshawn Lattimore and Pete Werner. Uh, yeah, the, it, both players returned to practice on a limited basis over the previous two weeks. Uh, you know, two and a half weeks. Uh, but yeah, as you know, they, yeah, they did not play in either of the last Saints two games. A lot of us felt like that if the Saints lost to the Buccaneers, and they did, of course, that, uh, yeah, that the, the team just would not risk any for, further injury to Warner or especially Lattimore. Uh, yeah, but yeah, since this team is mathematically still a lot, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, physically, I think it's more likely uh, you know, that, uh, that Lattimore is ready to play than Warner. Uh, but again, with both players returning to practice on a limited basis so, you know, over the previous two games and then now having an extra bye week, I gotta believe that they're probably ready to step out onto the field. Uh, I, I'm just gonna be wondering and watching very closely to see you know, if the Saints feel like that they legitimately still have something to play for, then you'd be absolute fools not to put these two players out. Uh, but, but, you know, contrastly, if you're in a situation where, okay, we don't think we're going to make the playoffs, why risk further injury to these guys, especially the nature of injury, uh, the injury to Marshawn? So I, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, and we won't know until Wednesday when we start to see, you know, if we see Werner or Lattimore come out for a full practice, that's an indication that they're going to play. Uh, but, we, you know, it, 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 it's going to be hard to tell. Yeah, the Saints, believe it or not, are three and a half point pick. Over and under mm-hmm. is 43 in that game. And, uh, 
Yeah, both teams have uh, lately has had uh, some issues scoring. Of course, the Falcons uh, score uh, two points more a game than the Saints do, and uh, uh, but uh, the Saints' uh, defense, you know, if they show up, the Saints' defense can uh, certainly hold Atlanta under 20 points. So uh, we'll see how that's all going to conspire. But the Saints' defense still playing well. Uh, and if they get some more uh, players back, uh, who knows? Uh, like you said, they win their last four and get a little help from some other people. Uh, of course, they uh, can't control their own destiny right now. Uh, if they had won Monday night, it might be the case. Yeah, you're exactly right, uh, which is a shame because this team has played excellent defensive football over the last three, four, five games. Uh, you know, and that's without Pete Werner, uh, and without Marshawn Lattimore. And, you know, remember the Falcons are going to be starting, you know, a, a rookie quarterback, Desmond Ritter, is going to get his first start this Sunday. Uh, you know, so, you know, we don't, you know, that, that's another big unknown. But like you pointed out, Atlanta has had trouble putting points on the board. What we do know about these Falcons is they can run the ball mm-hmm. and, you know, they can do so very successfully. Uh, you know, they, this is the same personnel that bullied the Saints all around the football field for three and a half quarters in week one. Yes. Uh, you know, and they've done that kind of thing to other teams too. So you got a question starting a rookie quarterback. Uh, you know, is Atlanta going to be much of a threat through their passing game? Uh, it's hard to tell. Um, they, they don't have a lot of weapons there, uh, but they do have the capability to control the ball on the ground. So the Saints are going to have to buckle up that chin strap on Sunday. Now, real quickly, uh, Bob, uh, what's this fake injury issue right now? What can you tell us about that uh, in that regard? Uh, Cam Jordan is kind of laughing at this. Uh, can you expound upon that? Uh, and I know why Cam is laughing because it's a laughable, it's a laughable situation. Uh, you know, Cam Jordan, along with Dennis Allen, and I believe the, you know, the, the New Orleans organization were all fined by the NFL, uh, upon claims that Cam Jordan was faking an injury in the fourth quarter of Monday night's game against Tampa Bay. Uh, at the time, and Cam, you know, Cam thought it was ludicrous, uh, yeah, when Cam came off of the field, he went directly into the uh, into the injury tent to get examined. He sat out, I believe, two to three plays. Uh, yeah, and usually, if someone, you know, if a player fakes an injury, they're right back out uh, off of the sidelines and back out onto the field within a play. Uh, and at the time, New Orleans was leading. Cam's injury, be it regardless of what how you feel the severity of it is, Cam went down to one knee and then got up and came off the field on his under his own power. So the game really was not stopped. The NFL supposedly, allegedly, tries to you know tries to keep the competitive balance, keep teams from doing this kind of thing to slow down, to stop the clock or stop momentum of other teams. But that was not the case in this you know, particular instance. Like I said, Cam. Cam right off of the field uh yeah he was legitimately examined by doctors and he missed more than one play but nonetheless the nfl took it upon themselves to find cam dennis allen and the saints how much do you think played into it the uh, player for cincinnati who uh, went down uh, especially when it looked like maybe they had too many men on the field do you think that played a part into it in like they just didn't want to point to one situation yeah, I think that played a big part into it. And I was watching that Cincinnati Bengals situation, uh, you know, with the safety baits that you speak of. Uh, yeah, and that was, that was an egregious offense. That was, I could completely understand punishment by the NFL for that. Uh, and I do think that it played a part in 
you know, the league going sweeping through every game that week, uh, you know, and throwing out a few fines, which of course, as you pointed out, included Cam. Uh, what I don't understand is, what's the big deal if it's an isolated, you know, isolated fine? Because it still broke the rules. It was a very clear, egregious attempt by the Bengals to, you know, to maneuver the clock, uh, or more specifically, avoid a penalty. Uh, there's there's no need to you know slap on a wrist to everyone who didn't follow suit and do the same thing uh you know, where where there were a lot more questionable situations yeah and again that Cincinnati player boy that was so obvious and again knowing yeah. the situation about uh, that and, and and again he did get fined but not the organization as if they thought uh, there was no uh, collusion there with the coaching staff i guess uh, yeah, right. And if there's, <laughs> if any situation uh, could be uh, have a microscope on it and say, you know, okay, this was a planned strategy. It is that kind of situation. Uh, you know, Jesse Bates, I may or may not be right on this, but I believe he's a defensive captain with the green dot. So, in other words, he has the coaches in in his voice inside his helmet. Who's to say? And nobody will ever admit this. But who's to say that the coaches weren't saying, "Hey, we got twelve men in the huddle, or we need to do this. We need to do. You need to go down uh, and uh, and stop the clock or stop the game." Yeah, that that's the very definition of collusion. Yeah, there you go, Bob. Uh, appreciate you joining us as always. Uh, we'll look forward to talking to you next Monday following the Falcons game. Uh, but in the meantime, remind us how to hear and see your work. Guys, thank you as always for having me on a Monday. I can't believe we're still talking about as slim as it is the possibility of playoffs, but with any luck, we'll be able to do the same thing next week. Uh, in the meantime, folks, you can follow me on Facebook, Bob Rose, R-O-S-E. I can be followed over on Twitter at Bobby R2613. All of our works can be followed on the Saints News Network at Saints News on Twitter, and we do all the uh, New Orleans Saints coverage for the SI.com team page. In the meantime, you can also uh, you know, catch Brendan Boylan, a fellow Saints News Network writer, and myself on our Bayou Blitz podcast, which airs every Wednesday evening at 8 p.m. Central Time live. Or if you want to check out past shows, just Google Bayou Blitz uh, on YouTube, and it should bring up a list of everything that we've done uh, in the previous weeks. Real good. Bob, always a pleasure again. Uh, we'll look forward to next Monday. Thank you very much, guys. Have a great week. Yeah, you Bob. You appreciate bet. it as always. Uh, again, today in sports uh, d'histoire. Oh, yes. Let's see uh, what we have today in sports history, December the 12th. In 1930, I uh, didn't realize this rule came uh, this late. Baseball Rules Committee greatly revises the rule book, and a ball bouncing into the stands is not a home run. It's now a double. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure Babe Ruth had a few of those, too, back in the day uh, in the 20s. Yeah, I think so. And uh, so uh, back then, uh, there was no ground rule double. If a ball bounced into the stands, it was deemed a home run. Did not know that. Uh, I thought that rule was changed uh, maybe in the teens, but looks not uh, was the case. Elsewhere in 1937, the National Football League, uh, Wrigley Field, and the Chicago Bears uh uh, the Redskins beat the Bears by a score of 28-21 to win the championship uh, that particular year. 
1960. And it was that game, I think, that fueled the 73 to nothing game. Uh, I think you're right, too, uh, which was two or three years later, I do believe. Some locker room material. Oh, yes. Uh, The Bears and the uh, Redskins, uh, of course, the Commanders now, uh, had some big-time feuds back then, along with the Giants, too, for those three teams. Elsewhere in this date, 1965, and I remember this, too, Chicago halfback Gale Sayers Mm. ties the National Football League record for most touchdowns in a game with six and a 61 to 20 uh, victory over the 49ers at Wrigley Field as Sayers I think scored on a punt return a long run a a and everything yeah he just everything in the mud too in the slop of that game too and tied of all people Dub Jones's record uh, a former greenie who holds the record along with Sayers now but I don't think anybody has scored six touchdowns Kamara did that one year with the Saints, didn't he score six touchdowns? I'm going to say he may have. Yeah. You know, in a pass and a couple of some runs. Elsewhere in 1968, Arthur Ashe becomes the first uh, African-American to be ranked the number one tennis player in the world. Arthur Ashe, of course, now in uh, Flushing Meadows. The courts are named after Arthur Ashe. I think the whole complex is uh, Arthur Ashe, fine tennis player, too. 1973 on this date, San Diego files an antitrust a lawsuit against the National League to stop the Padres from moving to D.C. As we talked about that the other morning. Uh, On this date, 1976, quarterback Joe Namath plays his last game as a New York Jet as I believe he was traded to the Rams and finished off his career with a year or two with the Rams out in L.A. He may have played with the Bears one part of a season, yeah. Did he? Because I know I remember him playing with the Rams uh, against the Saints a few games uh, back in the late seventies. Elsewhere, in 1987, on this date, Oklahoma sets an NCAA record in basketball with 33 steals against the Centenary Gents up in. Uh, I guess they were playing up in Norman, but Centenary. I think Centenary. Uh, is the smallest Division One school that plays basketball. Centenary is about eight nine hundred students, and the oldest university or college in the state of Louisiana. Elsewhere, in nineteen ninety one, the Tampa Bay Bucks Dexter Manley retires after failing a drug test. Of course, Dexter Manley mm. had other big time news when he was basically illiterate, couldn't read, and uh, finished I think at Oklahoma State or played four years up there. I don't know if he got his degree or not, but uh, just a sad story. On this date in 1997, the Boston Red Sox signed Pedro Martinez to a record six-year, $69 million contract in that regard. Elsewhere, today's birthdays, born in this date in 1914, Buzzy Bavese. Of course, he was a Dodger exec forever, it seemed like. He was born in New York City. Uh, of course, Buzzy Bavese died in 2008. Elsewhere, birthday, Baton Rouge boy, NBA uh, champion and uh, Hall of Famer. Born on this date in 1932, Bob Pettit out of LSU, Hall of Famer, forward, MVP in the NBA in 56 and 59, born in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, also played at LSU and uh, played at Baton Rouge High. Uh, Bob Pettit, all 6'9 of him. Elsewhere, born on this date in 1962, she turned 60 years old today, can't believe it, Tracy Austin. Tennis player, one of the cuties. Uh, she won the U.S. Open in 79 and 81. 
Bon Palas Verdes uh, Peninsula in California. Dying on this date, kind of sad story, but I remember this also. Uh, dying on this date in 2019, one of the great linebackers of the Saints, Vaughn Johnson, NFL linebacker, pro bowler, New Orleans Saints, played with the Eagles a little bit, died of kidney disease at 57 years old. Of course, that linebacking crew, the Dome Patrol of Ricky Jackson, Sam Mills, and Pat Swilling, infamous uh, for the Saints. And, of course, the quote of the day comes from the NFL Network about the uh, Dome Patrol. It's the greatest set of linebackers aligned with one team in the history of the NFL, and that comes from the uh, NFL Network. Of course, the Dome Patrol, what more can you say about those guys? Two of them now in the Hall of Fame, and uh, Ricky Jackson and Sam Mills. Uh, but dying on this day, Vaughn Johnson in 2019. And that's today in sports history, December 12th, Jeff. got to correct myself. Um, I was thinking in that last season he played with the Rams, they played a Monday night game in Chicago. Okay. And that's what I, I remember from okay. my youth there. So. But I remember him playing a year or two with the uh, – just, just one. Just one and with just the Rams. Just eight games, too. Oh, okay, because I remember him playing against the Saints, and it seemed like he got hurt in that game, too. Uh, he had fragile knees. played eight games. Yeah, man. you're right. Anyway, but that's it today in sports history. Real good. Again, uh, big thanks to our guest today, Bob Rose with SI.com and other uh, ways to see his work. And we also want to thank our sponsors, Bayou Sports, brought to you each weekday morning by our friends at L.A. Classic Roofing. Jacob Landry, candidate for state rep, District Number 49, the Quarter Tavern, Cane Row Golf and Turf Club, Schwing Insurance, and the Headache and Pain Center. News is up next.